It's a very one, Janice. It's interesting. John prayed for me this morning that my videos would work okay. <laughs> I didn't return the, uh, the favour. Is that number one, is it? There we go. To anybody Excellent. Who, anybody who just prayed just then. Thank well you. Done. Yeah, great. Well, I want to start with a little bit of market research this morning. Uh, Graham entitled the talk today, Sabbath Rest. So the word Sabbath is on the uh, screen. I just wonder how the word Sabbath makes you feel. And, and I'm interested to know if it's people of different age groups feel differently about that word. And, and it strikes me that there's three different responses we could have. We could have a sort of negative response. We could have a very positive response. Or we could be just somewhere, whatever. Anybody feel really positive about the word Sabbath? Just raise a hand. Okay. Some, some people say that. Anybody got sort of negative vibes about the word Sabbath? Okay, equal number of people as far as I can see. I guess the rest of you, hey, ooblatar, life goes on, all of that sort of stuff. I, I just wanted to ask a question this morning. Uh, is the Sabbath for people in their experience a bane or a blessing? And it sounds like we've got a mixed response here. And I do suspect it might relate to our age range and all of that sort of thing. According to the Ten Commandments, which obviously are very important, Sabbath is intended to be a day of rest from labor. One day in seven kept holy, that is set apart, made different from the others. And God, when he gave the Ten Commandments, intended this as a positive thing for the benefit and blessing of human beings made in God's image. Very, very positive. But by the time that Jesus was ministering, the Sabbath had become a burden because of the demands that the Pharisees put on the people. And what had happened was this, a straightforward gift of a day of rest had led to a minefield of interpretations as to what constituted breaking the Sabbath. And the rabbis had identified 39 categories of prohibition on the Sabbath. Not 39 rules, but 39 categories of rules. There were all sorts of things that you weren't supposed to do on this day, according to the rabbis and the sort of agents at the time of Jesus the Pharisees. There's a great irony in our Bible passage from Matthew today. For at Matthew 11:25, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And then straight over into chapter 12, the party-pooping Pharisees are nitpicking over what Jesus does on the Sabbath, the day of rest. It's worth noting, and I'm sure you know this anyway, that the chapter and verse references in our Bibles are relatively recent additions. I'm glad they're there because it helps us find our place, but the chapters and the verses don't necessarily fall in the right places for the action that's taking place. This is one place where the chapter break between chapter 11 of Matthew and chapter 12 of Matthew is most unhelpful. For Jesus says, come unto me and rest. My burdens are not only light, I will share the load with you. We'll do life together. But the rabbis have produced a Sabbath burden for every eventuality, and the Pharisees of Jesus' day have become a sort of religious police force. Looking over your shoulder to make sure you're not seen to break a Sabbath regulation is burdensome. 
It wasn't so much that Jiminy Cricket was sitting on your shoulder encouraging you to always let your conscience be your guide. It was as if every Jewish person at the time of Christ had a Pharisee on their shoulder. And the eagle-eyed Pharisees were determined to catch Jesus out. Your disciples are picking and eating grains in the fields. That is work. Gotcha! You are healing on the Sabbath. Naughty, naughty. And Jesus, the same Jesus, who wants us to experience his rest, says to the Pharisees, give us a rest. In point of fact, he says three things. Here are what, what is the things that he said. Verse 8, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus' pet name for himself, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, it's my day, so it's my rules. Second thing he said is this, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Healing people is great. You wouldn't leave your sheep in a pit if it fell in there on the Sabbath. You'd pick it out. This is a day for doing good stuff. And then in a parallel passage in Mark's gospel, Jesus says the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it was a gift, a gift from God to the Jewish people, a day to rest from labor, a day where they should feel free, not burdened, but it had become a burden. And my experience, as I guess an older person now, was in the mid-20th century, UK Sabbath observance, the way in which we observed Sunday, was a burden for many Christians. And unfortunately, in my view, the Christian Sunday, the Lord's Day, was confused with the Jewish Sabbath, and it was characterized by a list of don'ts. And many Christians, committed Christians, ironically found that Sunday was the busiest day of the week. I grew up in a Christian subculture of church three times on a Sunday, and the whole day was a rush. There was so much that we were doing. And in varying degrees, people of my generation and older were subjected to Sabbatarianism, Sunday observance, where we had, I remember going to my grandparents' house and there were special Sunday books. Couldn't seem a comic that day, it was a special Sunday book. No TV, no shopping, no sport, no entertainment, and no newspapers. Ironically, Monday newspapers were printed on the Sunday, but that's another story. In the 60s, when TV arrived in our house, my parents determined that it would not be played on a Sunday until that time that they found it convenient for me to look after my younger brother while they went to church on a Sunday evening. And then I was allowed to watch Sunday night at the London Palladium, Hawaii 5 and 77 Sunset Strip while they were out. <laughs> they, they were out for a long time. Now, according to a recent Nobel Prize winner, the times they were are changing. So I remember in 1965, at a Christian holiday center, one Sunday afternoon, I self-righteously turned down the offer of an ice cream from a friend's mum because I wasn't allowed things bought on a Sunday. But half an hour later, my parents strolled up from the beach eating ice cream. Apparently, Sunday rules were suspended on holiday, and I felt a sense of betrayal. <laughs> I'm all right now. I've had the therapy. It's okay. <laughs> but the process of liberalization continued. 
The inbuilt sense that some things weren't quite kosher on a Sunday continued. So in the 90s, I was privileged to attend a Europe-wide theological summer school in Switzerland. And on the Sunday, we'd all been farmed out to different churches around the Lake Zurich area to take services. And when we all gathered together again and asked how we'd got on, there was a Russian lady who'd been into Zurich town, its city itself, to take a service. And she'd gone shopping after the service and showed us what she'd bought. And I just made a casual remark, as we might have done here. I teased her for shopping on the Sunday. And she just rounded on me and says, I am not a Jew. Clearly, Christians in Russia hadn't confused Sunday with the Sabbath. It was different. They had a different background, a different expectation. And it said to me, this business of confusing or equating Sunday with the Sabbath was actually a pretty localized thing to parts of Western Europe. Visiting Israel in October, I sensed that the Sabbath is not there a resented day. The shops are closed. The holy sites, you're not allowed to take photographs or to spoke. But Shabbat, Sabbath, is a joy and a delight enjoyed by religious and non-religious alike. At the start of Shabbat, after sunset on Friday evening, words like these are read as part of a celebratory meal. Carry no burdens on this Sabbath day. Take time to let all the stress and worry and responsibility slip from our shoulders. Welcome the day. Receive the gift. Remember the Sabbath and keep it. It is made for you. Your freedom, your joy, your healing. Positive. Judaism 101, a web-based introduction to Jewish belief and practice, states, Shabbat, that Sabbath, frees us from our weekday concerns, from our deadlines and schedules and commitments. During the week, we're slaves to our jobs, to our creditors, to the need to provide for ourselves. On Shabbat, we are freed from these concerns, much as our ancestors were freed from slavery in Egypt. Now, I'm only too well aware that probably more than 50% of us here have never experienced the burden of Sabbath keeping. This little cartoon sort of sums it up. Our grandfathers called it the Sabbath, our fathers called it Sunday, and we call it the weekend. And I guess that's how it is for most of us, for most people. And I would hazard also for many Christians, Sunday is just another day in which some have to work, on which sport is played, on which shops are open, theatres and cinemas are available. You've never known any different and you don't share my inherited hang-ups because somehow it wouldn't feel right for me to go to the theatre or the cinema on a Sunday. And I can't justify that in my head, but somewhere inside, because of the way that I was brought up and because of the life that I, I lived, it just wouldn't feel somehow right. And maybe you share my hang-ups, some of you here, and maybe we don't need to have those hang-ups, and maybe we need to be set free. So please be patient with me for a few moments longer while I address those who share my hang-ups. To those who feel guilty for doing things on a Sunday, which you would happily do on other days, I want to say three things, and it's really the same things that Jesus said to the uh, Pharisees at that time with a little bit more the first one is this, I don't believe Sunday is the Jewish Sabbath. If we get rid of that idea, it releases us and sets us free to make Sabbath time and to enjoy it as God gifted it to be. For the Sabbath was made for man, not 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Time out in the week is for us. It's a benefit for us. Sometimes we say it's one day in seven for God. Actually, the Bible teaches seven days in seven for God. And God graciously is saying, you can have one day for yourself, a day of rest from labor. It's something different. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and he invites us to take rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. I guess most of us would understand what the yoke is. It's what's joining the two beasts together there as they pull a plow or as they pull a cart or whatever. And Jesus is using this agricultural allusion to say, uh, I've got a yoke. And if you come under my yoke, then we're going to share the burden. And the burdens I place on you and the burdens I share with you are going to be light. It's not going to be incredibly hard and burdensome for you. Take my yoke upon you. Many of us will remember this song. It says, Jesus, we celebrate your victory. Jesus, we revel in your love. Jesus, we rejoice you've set us free. Jesus, your death has brought us life. You remember that one? And the chorus says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be a subject to a yoke of slavery. And, and Sabbath observance, the way in which it was reinforced by the Pharisees in the time of Jesus, the way in which it was inflicted on Sunday and enforced on some of us and our forebears in this country and also in the United States, it was actually to put a yoke of burdens on us, which was different from what Jesus says, because Jesus says, you're not under a yoke of slavery to watch that you're not doing this, to watch that you're not doing that. Come under my yoke, and we'll do life together, and it will be restful, and it will be light, and it will be easy. And if you've got hang-ups about the Sabbath, and Sunday, and things are mixed up, and things are in your heart that you can't really rationalize in your head. I just want to say to you today, receive the freedom that Jesus gives. Let Jesus take the strain of those burdens. In fact, here's the revolutionary thought that came to me this week as I looked at this passage in depth in preparation for today. If a burden is overwhelming you, the likelihood is that that burden has not come from Jesus. Let me say that again. If a burden is overwhelming you, the likelihood is that that burden has not come from Jesus because Jesus said, my burdens are light. So where's it come from? It's either come from yourself or it's come from the expectations of others. And if you're overwhelmed with burdens that you shouldn't be carrying, I'd encourage you to leave such burdens at Jesus' feet and experience the rest which he invites you to receive. Now I need to backtrack just a little bit in case you think I'm a heretic and you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Of course, if you choose not to turn on TV on a Sunday or any other day, that's fine. If you choose not to go to the shops, the theater, the cinema, a sporting event on a Sunday or on any other day, that is part of your freedom in Christ. But if the reason you're choosing not to do those things is this sense of guilt, if you do them, then feel free of that guilt. If you're subject to a yoke of slavery, Jesus says, swap yokes. 
take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what about the rest of us for whom Sabbath observance, Sunday observance has never been an issue? I want to ask you, which yoke of slavery are you carrying unnecessarily? And which burdens are you prepared to let go today so that you can be yoked up to Jesus, so that you can experience his rest and his freedom and the lightness of the load that he places upon you? These burdens might be things which in the grand scheme of things aren't of themselves wrong or harmful, but for you they are because you're letting them harm you. Which Pharisee have you allowed to sit on your shoulder catching you out when you do this, that and the other that uh, you've decided actually, no, this isn't, uh, this isn't the thing I should be doing? Can I draw attention to two common burdens to two common yokes that I believe many people maybe suffer from. The first one I think a lot of Christians suffer from, although maybe this also is uh, disappearing and the pendulum has swung too far in a different way. And it's this. I, I bought this book some years ago. I don't have it any longer, but I love the front cover. It says, I was an overcommitted Christian. And some of you, I think, might be able to identify with that. I was an overcommitted Christian. Can I declare freedom from unnecessary or unrealistic expectations? I'm going to say, be, being a committed Christian, being a committed church member, doesn't mean that you have to be at every single meeting organized by the church. Sometimes such an expectation comes from church leaders. Thankfully, I haven't observed that here. Although in the past, as a pastor in Glasgow, I have to my shame placed those expectations on others. I measured commitment by the number of meetings. People had their bums on seats of meetings that I had convened. And that was wrong. Most often the expectation comes from yourself, informed by your upbringing. You feel guilty if you're at home when the church doors are open for worship, teaching, fellowship, or prayer. It's okay to stay at home and do other stuff. Not all the time, but some of the time. Of course, it's a pendulum swing. If you only show up at church services when you're on a rotor, you should maybe be asking a different set of questions. A communion liturgy familiar to me from my childhood goes like this. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. In other words, we respond to invitation more than to obligation. So we come together to worship. We come together to hear God's word. We come together to fellowship together at invitation. And we come because it's joyful, not because it's an obligation. Do you know this nursery rhyme? Mary had a little lamb that would have been a sheep, but then it joined a local church and died through lack of sleep. <laughs> Some of you will have visited Epcot, one of the theme parks at Disney in Florida. Anybody been to Epcot, this, this place? My, my family and I it was the trip of a lifetime for us, my late wife Margaret and my kids, and 
we, we went there, we did a pulpit exchange with a guy in Tennessee and then we went to Florida and this was the highlight for us to be in this place and we milked those theme parks dry and at the end of a long day at Epcot, which stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, which I guess is a great picture of what the Church of Jesus Christ should be like, an experimental prototype community of tomorrow, of heaven. The end of a long day, the Disney cast member, the guy who was driving the Dotto train on the way back to the car park quipped, you know what Epcot really stands for? It stands for this, every person comes out tired. <laughs> and in a number of churches, I've encountered committed Christians who've changed church as the radical remedy to spiritual exhaustion. They couldn't simply step down from a role they had fulfilled faithfully for years. They felt trapped and were very reluctant to take any kind of responsibility until a period of rehabilitation had elapsed. I even know one guy, and I suspect he moved many miles from the church where he'd been uh, the treasurer and in with the bricks and all sorts of things for so long. He moved many miles to a new situation rather than resign from those jobs which had become a burden to him. And it's my firm conviction that our job as church isn't to tire one another out, breeding exhaustion, guilt, and resentment, but it's to resource and inspire and envision one another for 24-7 discipleship. A yoke of slavery to overcommitment. A yoke of slavery too to busyness. Somebody some years ago gave me this book or, or sent me it. They said, I don't think it's you just yet. But watch out, the addiction of a busy life. And we don't need to be a church leader to be addicted to busyness, addicted to a busy life. I used to have a difficult phone call with my dad once a week. It was a difficult phone call because he always asked me the same question. And until his dementia took over, I always answered in the same way. He would say, are you keeping busy? And I would respond as graciously as I could. And I would say, dad, Busyness is not a virtue. We're not called to be busy, we're called to be fruitful. And in order to be fruitful, we need to pace ourselves by enjoying rest. And Jesus offers rest, rest for our souls. And some of you are listening to me this morning may be horrified as I appear to suggest that we disregard one of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That is not what I am saying. I believe the Ten Commandments are commandments, not suggestions. They're not like an exam paper which says, here are ten questions, attempt any three. They all apply to us and they are for our benefit. And as Christians, we cannot disregard the Word of God. And in the commandment about the seventh day, we are being given permission to take one day per week free from the pressures and cares of the other six. But if the Christian Sunday isn't the Sabbath and we're not hidebound by a set of rules and regulations from which Christ has set us free, how do we observe Sabbath rest? Answer by adopting the Sabbath principle, by ensuring that there is adequate intentional time every week when we can switch off from the pressures of everyday life. In our culture, Sunday may well still be the appropriate day, unless because of our church responsibilities we need another day to recover from Sunday. You know, I observed over the last uh, decade or more, particularly for teachers, the working week begins on Sunday evening with preparation for the next day in the classroom. Teachers may well have been working for much of Saturday 
as well. The Jewish Shabbat starts at sunset on Friday evening and lasts till sunset on Saturday evening. If it's appropriate for you to work on Sunday evening, perhaps you can enjoy the Sabbath principle of one day in seven by starting your Sabbath, your day of rest from labor, on Saturday evening and finishing at Sunday tea time. The important thing for our health and well-being as directed by our maker is that we do take time to rest on a weekly basis and that we take our holiday entitlement from work and that we don't take work on holiday with us, etc., etc., etc. And I'd really love the little video that Mark showed earlier with the electronic devices and guilty as charged. But the great thing in all of this is we are not alone. If we're carrying burdens, Jesus offers his help, his gracious invitation to come to him and experience rest for our souls. Christian faith is not a religion. Let me say that again. Christian faith is not a religion. Religions say, do this, do that, and you'll be right with God. All religions and ologies say, do this, do that. But the Christian gospel says, Jesus has already done what is necessary to procure our salvation. And Jesus offers rest. We don't have anything to prove. We serve as a response of love to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Christian Faith is a relationship walking in step with Jesus. Come to me, said Jesus, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to put the words of a prayer on the screen and uh, maybe you can read with me the words in bold type. It says, managers, commuters, workers stuck behind computers, lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. Laborers on the soil and all who dig and sweat and toil, lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. Overstretched and overstressed, underpaid, abused, oppressed, Lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. Unemployed or long-term ill, those with too much time to fill, lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. In the home, on the road, those with dangerous overload, lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. Those who never get a break, those who give while others take, Lay your burdens down, come to me and rest. Amen. Sabbath God, help us to stop, let go, cease striving and rest. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, this word this morning will have spoken to some people more than others. Parts of this talk this morning will be completely irrelevant to uh, some of the people here, but for some people here, this talk will have hit right home. Your Holy Spirit will have applied it to people's lives and situations. And I pray, Father, for those who are feeling burdened this morning, unnecessarily burdened for whatever reason, that you would give them the grace to lay those burdens down and to come to Jesus and receive rest, to take his yoke upon them and to do life step in step with the Savior, and I ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.